Personally, we are thrilled for today's topic of the Infinite Energy podcast, the energy of personal culture. If you're like WTF personal culture, then stay tuned because this is the episode for you. It is fun, it is fascinating, and it is filled with actionable takeaways that you don't want to miss. We're sisters Kay and Shai, and we're the hosts of the Infinite Energy Podcast. We believe that everyone has the power to live a more energized, optimistic, and fulfilling life. In every episode, we share tips and techniques for harnessing your own power and creating the life you deserve. Get ready to ignite and discover the limitless power of Infinite Infinite Energy. Hey, family, and welcome back to the Infinite Energy Podcast. Before we get started today, I'm just going to call a quick family meeting. Number one, if you have not yet subscribed to the Infinite Energy (laughs) Podcast, please go do that right now. Like, we are here for you. We want you to be here for us, too. Let's get into the subscribed level relationship with each other. And number two, as many of you know, the Infinite Energy Podcast is structured so that it comes in three segments. And today, the The first two segments are going to be focused on teaching our topic, and the third segment is going to be workshop-oriented, which means if you're driving, you'll want to listen to the first two segments and save number three for a time when you have the ability to write things down. Now, before we dismiss the family meeting, I just want to give a final shout out to our uh, our father who actually picked out this sweater for me. So if you are watching the video, you can see I am wearing an adorable pink sweater that has a little white heart in the middle and then outlines and emanates around from that. But just shout out to dad. Thanks for the sweater. <laughs> I loved getting the special shirt from you. And now back to the show. No, well, we had to have the family meeting to let everyone know that our dad is your personal stylist list to scold them for not subscribing if they haven't yet (laughs) and to invite them to do so and to get into today's topic, which is all about personal culture. Now, you may or may not know that Shyla and I teach leadership and culture at the University of Nevada, Reno. We love getting to teach on this subject, but the deeper that we studied organizational culture, the more we saw overlap with how our personal culture expresses both in the out outcomes of our life and interactions. You know, last semester we got to teaching the topic of culture and the inside of the organization and couldn't help but see the parallels, Uh, much like we see with, you know, sociology and psychology. What happens to the individual can also happen on the societal level. We see that in terms of culture as well, right? What happens on an organizational level also happens on an individual level. And so as we looked at culture and and how it plays out inside of organizations, we were like, there's a lot of parallels here to how it plays out with us personally. And so we, we turned it into an exercise and now have have begun to really hone it for our classes and just got to teach it last week to our class. And it was so fun to take the students through this analogy. And we know you're going to benefit from just thinking about culture, something as big and as broad and as incredibly complex as the topic of culture, and then applying it in a really unique and fun way to yourself can actually give you a lot of insights that you might not be able to find in other ways. You know, we're not going to tackle any topic here on the Infinite Energy Podcast without first laying down our definition of the day. We are so excited to be coming at you with today's definitions. Now, we're going to take this in a two-parter. In order to understand personal culture, we want to first share with you the definition that comes from the textbook that we teach out of for our class of, of organizational culture and how it forms. So the definition that we have is 
that organizational culture is what the group has learned in its efforts to survive, grow, and deal with its external environment and organize itself. So however the group has overcome problems in the past become the way that they approach problems in the future. Right. So that personal culture, now we think about that and we replace the group with you. What you have learned in your efforts to survive, grow, and deal with your external environment and organize yourself. And you can see this displayed in all kinds of different ways. But just thinking about that, your personal culture is is primarily a product of what you've learned, worked for you to cope, to to deal with, to solve problems along the way. Now, let's let's take an example of this, right? We the the um, legendary Karen figure, right? As somebody who's going to throw a fit inside of a restaurant or inside of a grocery store, they're going to ask for a manager, they're going to cause a big scene, they're going to raise their voice, they're going to make accusations. Likely, this person at some point in their childhood was able to solve their problem through throwing a fit. And lo and behold, they never learned a new solution to the problem. And now this has become part of their character and who they are because their solution to solving their problems never evolved and changed. And then it became their personal culture. Now, it's likely that you are not a Karen. <laughs> We're probably assuming. <laughs> Unless your name is Karen, then which hot, we love we you. Love you. Yes, and thank you so thank much you. for being a part of our family. <laughs> but the type of people who throw fits in public places and belittle other people are often not those who are also seeking personal growth and development. So let's bring this into maybe something that might be a little bit more personal. Are you the type of person that shuts down in confrontation? Or maybe you're the type of person who explodes and gets confrontational at someone else. Now, the way that you handle yourself inside confrontation is likely a direct result of the way that you handled confrontation as a child. Think about it. If you got into confrontation, maybe with another kid in class or maybe your parental figure, did you shut down as a kid or did you fight back? I was a shut down kind of kid. I would just retreat into my room. It was very rare that I would fight back. Right. But I find myself doing that in adult situations. When I get into conflict with my partner, sometimes I'll retreat and I won't want to talk about it takes a lot of bravery and courage for me to, to, to work against that pattern. And many of us don't even understand that our personal culture gets uh, uh, programmed into us without us realizing because we really just stumble through life's problems. We're not aware that we are actively solving the problems in order to better our future when we're just four and five years old trying to figure it out. Right. If you have a, a a problem with procrastination, chances are at some point in your life you w- waited very long time to do an assignment, and then you crammed it in the night before, and then you got a good grade on it. And what you then learned, and whether you were conscious of it or not, is that you get get a good grade when you procrastinate. And so you may even be reinforcing the habit of procrastination because that's what you learned early on. I get an A when I procrastinate. I don't know what I get if I don't procrastinate because procrastination is part of my formula. That's how I solved the problem as a kid. Now, hopefully you look at your personal culture, your character, your history, and you say, there's a lot of things I like, right? There's a lot of things that you've learned how to adapt to your environment or you've solved your problems with, or you've organized yourself. Cause remember that's part of 
of it that work for you and that you like. But if there are parts that you're like, oh, I don't like that or that feels dysfunctional or I think I could up level that in some way, that's where you get that opportunity to examine your personal culture and then decide, are there some elements I want to replace or evolve? You know, there was a time in my life where I took it upon myself to examine my personal culture and Shai, thank you for helping to bring bring about this examination. I know that it was difficult on all of us, but when I was in the second grade, uh, once at a share and tell, uh, I told the class that I had three dogs. Well, we only had one dog at the time, and I was just wrought with guilt over lying to the class about having three dogs. I wanted to seem cool. I mean, come on, three dogs would be so cool, and we only had one dog. And so I sat on this lie for a week, and it built, and it built, and it built inside of me. And the next week at Share and Tell, I told the whole class through basically sobs um, that I only had one dog, and that I didn't have three, and that I lied. And the class honestly could not have cared less. They could not have given a hoot. hoot. They could not have given a hoot that uh, that I had lied. And so I learned that I could lie and I could get away with it and that people wouldn't really care. And so over the course of my childhood, I developed a really bad habit of lying, even sometimes when I didn't mean to. Now, fast forward to being a budding young adult between the ages of 17 and 19, and this chronic habit of lying was not serving my relationships or my goals. And I had to kick it and I had to kick it hard. It wasn't an easy process, but I examined my personal culture. I found something in there that I wasn't proud of, and I decided that I wanted to move forward as a person of integrity and to create some rules for myself uh, that allowed me to survive, grow, and deal with my environment and organize myself in a way that I was conscious of and proud of. Well, I know it's not easy to share a story like that necessarily, but I bet you, you can relate to it on some level. I know that uh, I also experienced uh, lying in a way that demonstrated to me that it might be something that could be useful in, in the t- in the toolbox and then had to actively work on removing and reshaping that. And so maybe you can, exp- uh, you can relate to that as well. Now, we talked about conceptually what personal culture is, and then we talked about some demonstrations from our own life or maybe from things, examples that you've heard. But let's think Think about then where do you observe culture, right? Like we we understand what the concept is, but how do we touch it? How do we say, oh, that is culture? Well, first of all, it's again extremely complex <laughs> and very difficult, but it shows itself in many different ways. In fact, there's nothing that culture doesn't touch, right? Everything is influenced by culture in terms of, of where it falls in, in our society and those kinds of things. But when we come back from our next break, we're going to talk about what are those ways that we can see and observe culture and then what are some of those strings that we can pull if we do want to make some of those changes that we were talking about earlier so stay tuned after this break we'll dive into how you can observe culture in your own life Do you find yourself losing control of your scroll on social media? If you do, then you want to stay tuned to join the Simply Social Club with Kay and I. We've got an awesome challenge for you where you have the opportunity to detox from social media for 48 hours, seven days, 14, or even 31 days right along Shyla and I. So go to kandshy.com slash simply social and find out a little bit more and hopefully you'll take a pledge alongside us. We'll see you in 2023. See you in the club.
One of our proudest business accomplishments is what we've been able to do with Squeeze In Franchising. The Squeeze In is a breakfast lunch restaurant featuring the best omelets on the planet, and it's been around for almost 50 years, and now you can have a Squeeze In in your community. We've seen how this business transformed our families, and now we are so excited to offer this to families around the country to see how this little restaurant might change their family and their community. If you're wondering how to set up your adult children for legacy and success through a small business, then the Squeeze In is an option we urge you to consider. Come find out more about Squeeze In Franchising at squeezein.com. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. All right. If you have heard from us before on organizational culture, you will be familiar with the next layer of teaching that we are going to get into. But we want to ask that you come at this with curiosity, with fresh eyes and ears, because trust us, when you bring the ideas of organizational culture and layer them onto your personhood, boy, do you really get an interesting mix. Right. So as we've discussed before, but now applying it to ourselves personally, we think about this personal culture. It's made up of three layers. Now, the first layer is the top layer. It's the most observable, easiest to access. Maybe we might think of it as the symptoms, right, or the physical things. And it's known as the artifacts. And the artifacts are anything that is an expression of culture physically, whether it be verbally, right, expressions like sayings that we use um, or like lyrics that you reference inside jokes. Those are all artifacts of culture. These are the physical structures of your environment, of your layout, of your, right, if we're talking about an organization of your office, but on a personal culture level, your room, your home, your car, those physical kinds of the structures. The water bottle you carry. The, right. Oh, well, and then all of the objects, right? All of your artifacts, all of those objects that are around you that support you, the water bottle that you carry, the devices and technology that you use, and all kinds of things in between. All of those are part of that physical piece, the top of the iceberg, which is those artifacts. That's where we're looking at what is observable. And then we get into the next layer, which is almost a, a little above the uh, little above the water amidst the waves and a tiny bit under the uh, the water. And this is where we start getting into the espoused values. These are the things that you say about yourself, your philosophies of life. We often like to say that uh, this is what phrases that you might give advice to someone else that they're dealing with an issue, right? If somebody comes to you and says, oh, I'm having a challenge in my relationship and you say, well, you should approach it with open communication. Open communication is very important. That's you espousing a value saying openly that you think that open communication is important. So this is what you say. And this is that second layer, what it is that we put out to the world in regards to our values. 
right? That's that. Exactly. I I love that expression of just philosophies, right? So if you could go back to 12-year-old you and you're giving 12-year-old you advice, these are the things that you would say, right? So those are those espouse values and things that you hope that you stand for. And and we say hope that you stand for because, of course, there's one more layer to the iceberg. And it's the part that's not observable, certainly not from the water top. And that is the underlying assumptions. There's These are those basic baseline beliefs that drive our behavior, drive our decision-making, and drive our models of the world in ways that we're not even usually necessarily conscious of. What is incredible about the underlying assumptions is that if the person is the iceberg, not even the iceberg knows that that exists, (laughs) right? Like it's so deep under the water, the iceberg does not even have any clue that that part of the ice is a part of its being. So the underlying Underlying assumptions are really coming down to our thoughts about what is right and wrong, how we consider things in time and space, the very uh, value we give to certain aspects of our life and why we do those things. So this is not the advice or the cute fluffy stuff that we keep inside of our hearts to give to other people when they're down. These are the real motives that are driving our decisions. And sometimes They can seem sinister when they get brought to the surface. But we want to just challenge that if you come across something that you're like, oh, wow, maybe that underlying assumption isn't isn't something that I'm proud of. Hey, guess what? That's your opportunity to make a change. We want to get down to that layer because that's where we can start making changes that end up influencing our behavior the quickest because we can change ourselves on the values level, right? You can change what you say, but unless you change what's driving your behavior and then ultimately change what you do. It doesn't really matter what intention you come at it with. The actions and the results are what will count. Now, in the final segment, we're going to take you through your own analysis of personal culture. So if you're driving, you've got about five minutes to get somewhere (laughs) if you want to partake in it. Otherwise, you can just listen and contemplate aside us. But if you're in a space where you can get yourself ready, because coming up in a few minutes, we're going to go through that exercise. But before we do, we want to share with you a couple of more things. The first is we had a student uh, last semester give an example that was really helpful, I think. And so let's just work through this um, as as we asked uh, the the students to evaluate their own personal culture and their family culture, one of the artifacts that came forward for this person as they were thinking about what are their rituals, what are their celebrations, what are their artifacts and physical things that are present during that, they said all of our celebrations always have alcohol. There's always this, this alcohol component, whether it's the special drink on Christmas morning or the thing that we're serving on Easter brunch or the kegs that are out for Fourth of July. There's always this artifact fact of alcohol and some kind of special piece there, right? And then as she continued to evaluate further, what she came to uncover, at least in her own examination, was that there might be this underlying assumption that without alcohol, we can't have fun, right? And that might not be something that that would someone would espouse, right? That's not that layer of value. That values, espoused values piece might say, celebra- marking occasions is important. Celebrations are part of our culture, right? Celebrating is is a 
way that we honor each other in our history, those are all the values you would espouse. But when we look at the underlying assumption based on the artifacts and based on the rituals and based on those espoused values, she determined that there might be an underlying assumption about the role of alcohol in those rituals and celebrations. So again, they're not always beautiful. They're not always ugly. They're just usually underlying assumptions that we might not realize. And here's the kicker, those beliefs that are driving our behavior. And so that might help demonstrate for you as you as we kind of start to move into thinking about this, um, but also wanted to bring forward a little bit just that idea of all the other elements of influence um, on your own personal culture that have nothing to do with your artifacts, your programming, uh, or anything that you've done, but you've got the macro culture uh, influencing you, you've got your regional culture, and you've got all kinds of cultures in between. I think we see this even displayed within the arc of celebrities who rise and fall. Uh, uh, someone who likely aspires to be in the public eye is is comfortable at best with attention and at worst is craving it out of a really deep need or insecurity. Now, somebody who manifests a, a, an incredible presence out of a need from an insecure place eventually will find themselves on the end of the manifestation where the insecurity comes to fruition. And so these underlying assumptions can sometimes even trip us up without us understanding that that's what's going on. And so it is our great challenge to tolerate the complexity at which the culture inside of us lives and to do our best to be as honest with ourselves as possible as we start asking the question, what's underneath? Why are we motivated to do the things that we do? And we're not going to be able to solve all of your underlying assumptions or to even figure out what they are in the next 10 minutes, but we are going to get through a really cool exercise that's going to shed some light on what your artifacts and your values are and maybe just one underlying assumption that you can look at and how you may be able to shift those things for the better and hopefully create better outcomes for your life. Now, you keep hearing us use that word complexity. Uh, we always laugh because uh, in the last chapter <laughs> of this book, the textbook that we're using for our, our class, author. who's in his fifth, fifth edition, edition. <laughs> the very last chapter still talks about how the need for us to tolerate the complexity of culture and that we'll never truly understand and articulate precisely the reflection of the accurate picture of culture because of all of the convoluted influences at play and forces that are that are acting upon each individual and the group at large. So it is incredibly complex. And we think about there's ethnic cultures, right? There's traditions that have been passed on from a national or an ethnic piece. There's regional cultures. There's the culture of whatever sports that you're into, whether you're a fan or a player, right? And we know about even uh, when we talk about organizations like within a, a hospital, the culture of the nurses is different than the culture of the doctors and the culture of the night nurses is different than the day nurses and the NICU nurses at night are different. So you've got layers and layers of subculture, of, of counterculture, of larger cultures. And so that complexity really requires us to not only tolerate it, but get into it and get messy and allow our, ourselves to say, I may not understand the largest of it, but I can understand what it is for me and how I can use it to either live the life I want or make changes in order to get closer 
closer to that life, at least. Dare we say that complexity is infinite? I believe it might be. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe with the layers that are at play. Well, stay tuned and get ready. If you don't yet have a pen and paper, go grab it now. Because what we're going to do next is take you through your personal culture exercise. We're excited to get into it. So go get your stuff ready and we'll see you soon. We're talking leadership this week, and one of the organizations we are so proud to be at the helm of is the Neuroencoding Institute. We got to co-found the Neuroencoding Institute alongside Dr. Joseph McClendon III, amazing, world-renowned neuropsychologist and incredible mentor and teacher. If you're at all interested in learning more about what the Neuroencoding Institute does and what it can do for you, please visit neuroencoding.com. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore our complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. All right, it is the fabled final segment <laughs> here on today's episode of the Infinite Energy Podcast with Kay and Shai. We've been talking about the energy of personal culture, and now we are going to take you through an exercise that we run with our management class at the University of Nevada, Reno, and that it has been altered through time from all kinds of different neuroscience techniques, collegiate and academic resources, kind of combining in this amalgamation of something that is absolutely fun and revealing for yourself in ways that you might not realize. So we want to introduce you to an organization that we like to call you.org. Imagine you are the new CEO of an organization called you.org. This organization has five major departments and your job right now is to study these departments for each element of culture that we previously discussed. Remember, artifacts, values, and those underlying assumptions. And we're going to assess what you think you as the CEO could improve in each of these departments. So we're going to introduce you now to these five departments that are operating at you.org. If you want to write maybe your first name at the top and then .org, you can, or you can just call it me.org or you.org, whatever you want to. Make sure that you've you've got your idea of who you are and what your organization is as we move into talking about these five departments that you can find at you.org. And the first department we want to talk about is your faith department. Now, don't, don't let that run you away and think, I'm not a religious person because that's not what the faith department is about. The faith department is all about that sense of belonging and your foundation of beliefs in your life because everything within an organization is going to rise and fall on that foundation of your sense of belonging and what beliefs you hold at the core. And so what at as you assess this department, as you think about this department, this is that department that's in charge of your relationships within your community, where it is that you feel culture that you fit in the most? What are those beliefs that are foundational to you? And what are the ones that are empowering and that you espouse to folks on the regular? Also your spiritual health and how you feel in regards to uh, your connection to 
dare I once again say, the infinite energy of the of the universe. All right, next up is the Department of Fitness. Now, this is not just about physical fitness, but about your mental fitness as well. How is this department doing in helping you succeed in these two departments? How well do you feel physically and how well are you handling yourself mentally? Because both are really important. Next up is the Department of Family. This is your relationships department. So this department's all about that relationship to yourself, which is an important one many of us neglect. Your relationship to others, your significant others and those around you, and your relationship to your environment and the world at large. How do you fit into society and what is your contribution? The next one is a little bit of an iteration because come on, we have five departments and all of them start with F. And so this is your fashion, your profession. Pro <laughs> come on, we had to get cute there. You know it. We're your sister. So you're probably a cute person just like us. Now, fashion or your career, this is about your work that you do to contribute to the world. This is the, the work that you get paid for and the work that you do out of your calling. This could be your creative expression uh, or a, and it is also how you generate finances. Right. An important piece there, how you spend your time. What is it that you're giving your time to? What is your career? What is that calling piece? The final department at you.org is the freedom department. We love this one. This is that, right? If your fashion is how you earn your money, your freedom is how you spend your money, right? What does your financial fitness look like? What is your, how do you spend your time? How do you have uh, creativity and creative outlets? What is the impact that you're having, right? Most people say freedom means being able to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, right? So this department is all about making that happen. Now, some people's freedom departments have very limited resources and have to work on shoestring budgets. Some freedom departments are humongous. Some freedom departments have huge budgets, but very small implementation. But you can start to understand that with these five departments, the organization of you functions as a whole and complete human being. And there's all kinds of different typologies and methodologies. Some some folks bring a wheel and you color in where you are on this wheel. Uh, Some of them have six categories. Some are down to four, but all of them are going to include these general things, right? How are you doing in your relationships? How do you spend your time with your with your work? How are you contributing and how are you with with your money? How's your physical health, your body and your mentality, right? You have kind of these general zones and we like to call them the five F's or the five departments at you.org. So we're going to take our first prompt question for you, a consideration question, just to get your thinking self going. We want you to consider this. What's a time that you.org ran really well? And what's a time that you.org ran poorly or maybe experienced some instability? We're going to give you about 45 seconds to consider these two things. What's a time it ran well and a time it ran poorly? We're going to throw up some music for you and give you some time to consider this question. Yeah. 
figure out your transgressions. That's not what this here is about. It's just about two times, one win and one time you.org has experienced instability. So next up, we're going to get into uh, another journaling piece for you. Now, this time we want you to consider the artifacts, the artifacts that we discussed before, right? Those tangible things that we can see. Artifacts, remember, are items, environments, language patterns, sayings, rituals. So right now, your job is going to be for each of those five departments. Remember, if you didn't write them down, you've got your faith, which is your spirituality. You've got your fitness, both your mental and your, your health. You've got your family. Those are your relationships piece. You've got your fashion, right? How you spend your time and your career. And then you've got your freedom piece. That's that financial, that time, that impact, that creativity. Those are your five departments and we want to identify one or two artifacts of each one of these departments, right? So in fitness, if you like for me, an artifact, there is my treadmill, maybe some of my running medals, right? Maybe uh, your water bottle, if you're really into hydration. So think of one or two artifacts for each of the five departments. We'll give you just a minute or two, stay out of your head, just keep writing, get this in your journal, get some artifacts for each of the departments right now. I loved hearing people talk about the rosaries in their car, the crosses on their walls, the Buddha statues in their homes, especially when it comes to that faith category, right? There were some great examples there. The artifacts of the relationships, right? Some of those sayings, can I have what we call Hamilton trigger words, right? <laughs> Certain words will spur a Hamilton lyric that would absolutely be an artifact of our relationship. of my fitness dedication. Yeah. And you bet when I got the email in and said, it's your shipping address for sure. I think it was the fastest I'd ever filled out my address on a form ever. All right, hopefully you've jotted down at least one artifact for each one of the departments. This is, should be the easiest one, so hopefully that went fast for you. All right, next up, we are going to have a look now at this collection of artifacts that you've identified from each of the departments and see if there's any values that start to rise up for you. As you look at the collection of artifacts, as you think about the idea of espoused values, right? This is that, what would you tell 12-year-old you? Or what would you tell a friend that's struggling? Is there any values that are coming forward for you, right? Is this is there one that you're like, every time somebody's in a relationship struggle, I tell them, don't go to bed mad, right? That would be an espoused value for the department of your relationships, of your family piece. So look at your artifacts, look at your departments. If, the, the, if you're looking for extra credit, try to get a value for each one of the departments, but take just 30 seconds here and see if you can identify one or two values of you.org based on the artifacts you identified.
came in through a class that both of us really resonated with was that pressure is a privilege. Imagine operating from a value that the pressure you're under is a privilege to carry. couple of values written down, some of those sayings, some of those things, uh, those pieces of advice that you would give to someone else. Hopefully you've got these down because next, you know where we're going. You've heard us talk about them. We are deep diving underneath the iceberg. We've gone past the water. We are going all the way to the bitty bottom, maybe of an underlying assumption that you might not even be aware that is at play. So, Consider this, based on your understanding of the values that you just wrote down and the artifacts that you've also identified, we want you to do your best to try and find one underlying assumption. This is not about having one for each category. This is just about finding one for your life because going this deep can be tough. So what's one underlying assumption that you think is driving behavior at you.org? And just remember, we're going to tolerate the complexity here. We're going to tolerate the difficulty and we're going to do it together because this can really be a challenge. So we're going to give you about a minute to go through this and hopefully you can get down to that bottom of the iceberg. through even when they need the boundary of self-care. just let you know it's okay. This might be one that you take with you through the week as you kind of contemplate what are some of those underlying assumptions. All of us want to uncover those programs and those beliefs that are not empowering us and that aren't helping us be resourceful. But oftentimes we struggle to get to that level. And so hopefully this reframe and this exercise just help you see there's another avenue and another way to get there to that underlying assumption. I was thinking about, you know, perhaps if I considered the artifact fact from my uh, fashion department of my master's degree. And then I coupled that with the espoused value that don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. I might undercover an underlying assumption there that worthiness equals achievement. 
right? That when one is achieving, then one is worthy. And don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. If you're better, then you achieve. And if you're achieve, you're worthy. And so you can see how there just might be some underlying beliefs that if unexamined could hurt you in ways that you might not want. And so that's this opportunity here that we brought forward for you. So take this with you this week. Think about your own artifacts as you consider why you're choosing the outfit that you are, what the meals are, what the inside jokes are, what the isms are, what those values are that you espouse. And maybe just maybe you'll even uncover an underlying assumption. We so hope that you have enjoyed this personal culture exercise here on the Infinite Energy Podcast. We know we went a little long for our normal 30-minute episodes, but we really hope that this third segment was something that you can actually even revisit time and time again and maybe work yourself down to those underlying assumptions because they really do matter. Remember, this comes at you with the deepest love from your best sisters, Kay and Shy. <laughs>